All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome in to Pucks with Hags, the relaunch. Take two, 2.0. Uh, bringing back uh, a hockey podcast you may already know about, uh, Joe Haggerty, Boston Hockey Now, Hockey Scribe, here to talk NHL, here to talk Bruins, uh, and uh, here to talk about what the hell went on with the Bruins uh, in, the, in the last game, Game 2 versus the Florida Panthers. The podcast is powered by uh, FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Uh, make sure to go sign up, fanduel.com slash Boston. Get your bonus now. Uh, Joe, let's just start with what went wrong. Uh, I think, like, there's weird panic in Bruins Nation right now, which is maybe a little bit undue, right? Uh, that, like, it's not a panic moment, but I think when a team is virtually invincible all year long and you watch them look so vincible, you know, so vulnerable for a game and have so many things that go for them, like that they've been reliable all year fail, which is the goaltending, uh, the solid decor, the depth of their lines, their ability to generate offense up and down the lineup uh, and, uh, and create pressure on the goaltender. And then their fortitude being able to bounce back from things, have strong third periods, Almost every one of those things didn't work last night. Yeah, let's call it a, a triumphant return for the Pucks with Hags podcast, but not a uh, very triumphant showing in Game 2 for the Boston Bruins. And Honestly, the first two games of this series, even though the Bruins won Game 1, I feel like we're seeing some of the same things and, and some of these patterns developing, uh, one of which is that clearly the Bruins even though they said they were trying to play at playoff level and intensity uh, in the last month of the regular season to get ready for the playoffs, uh, I think it was a shock to the system when they got there and they started playing a Florida Panthers team that's been playing playoff hockey essentially from the NHL All-Star break and had to fight for their lives to get in. Uh, but on top of that, I, I think you're seeing uh, the Boston Bruins are, are making some very uncharacteristic mistakes and having some things happen that didn't happen uh, all year. And I think it's because of the upped speed, the upped physicality, the upped intensity that the Florida Panthers are bringing, specifically when they attack the Bruins defensemen. I think that's the biggest story that we've seen in the first two games of this series is that guys like Dmitry Orlov and Hampus Lindholm and Brandon Carlo and even Charlie McAvoy in game two was a minus three uh, and gave it up uh, on a pivotal goal in the third period that gave the, the Panthers a 4-2 lead. They are all wilting under the pressure. They're starting to hear the footsteps of the four checkers coming to hit them, and they're giving up pucks too early, throwing them to places they don't want to, namely the middle of the ice in the defensive zone by the blue line, and the Panthers are just licking their chops and coming in, and it's creating offensive opportunities. 15 giveaways in Game 2 by the Boston Bruins. I think that's the most that they had all year or close to it. A couple of them led directly to goals, Yep. And I think you're seeing, you know, yep. a guy like Lindholm who looked like uh, King Kong during the regular season. As soon as he starts to get hit a little bit, and you know, maybe in the back of his mind, he's got uh, what was a game two last year against the Hurricanes when he got smoked and knocked out of that series uh, with a big hit. Maybe that's somewhere in the back of his mind. I don't know. But you're seeing a bunch of players, specifically the defensemen, that looked one way during the regular season, look another in the playoffs. That's a big time concern. I don't think it can't be reversed. I certainly think. The Bruins defensemen are better than they've shown thus far, uh, but they need to adjust to what they're seeing now and speed up their decision-making, speed up the way they're moving the puck up the ice, and maybe change some of the breakouts a little bit because they need to make an adjustment from what they did in the first two games, no question. But 
it's we saw it so you know that they need to do it but is it surprising because again you know if you stack this team up versus past Bruins teams even ones that had either won a cup or gone all the way to the cup um the they seem to have not have some of the issues even some of those other very successful teams that had because they had so much depth you finally did address blue line depth where you felt pretty good I mean Grizzlick has been a scratch and he was a top pairing defenseman and a top four defenseman on this team uh, for the last couple of years and he's odd man out I mean you add Dmitri, Dmitri Orlov here at, uh, at the at the uh, at, at you know at the trade deadline you have two top 10 NHL defensemen in Lindholm and McAvoy. This was not supposed to happen to this group. That's what's strange to me is you say they're hearing footsteps, but are you surprised that they are? I, I, to a degree, but uh, we're not talking about guys in Dmitry Orlov or Hampus Lindholm that are these famed playoff studs that have really established no. themselves. You know, th no. this is when they have to prove themselves as well. The regular season and the playoffs are two different animals, and I think that's totally. what you're seeing with some of these players now is uh, they have to adjust and they have to figure out how to have the same success they had in the regular season in the playoffs when guys are flying like their lives depend on it, skating in and hitting you, uh, not like they are when it's a little more polite and a little slower during the regular season. And I think that's part of it. Uh, but, like, it, it, series, playoffs, it's all adjustments, too. I mean, people forget in 2011 when they won the Stanley Cup, it took them a couple of games to figure out that they had to put Dennis Seidenberg and Zidane Chara as a pairing together. And you're playing them, like, 30 minutes a game. Right. You know, I mean, they leaned on those guys. And they figured that out as the series went along and came up with the solution. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to in the playoffs. And to your point... I think when you've seen the speed that the Florida Panthers are attacking them with and you see some of the Bruins defensemen, namely Lindholm, Orlov, guys like that, but even for Derek Forbort, Brandon Carlo, they all look slow. And, and a lot of them are bigger physical guys, so they, they are going to look slower. Uh, I think that's where you have to really seriously think about in, injecting Matt Grizzlick into this series. And I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't play game three because he's a much faster skater he's a much better puck mover that's his job is to skate with a guy like Brandon Carlo who's there to kill penalties to you know whack and hack and whack people in front of the net and really be a warrior in the defensive zone he needs to be paired with a guy like uh, Matt Grizzlick that's going to be the greyhound that's flying the puck up the ice and skating through all these guys yeah. and avoiding this heavy forecheck and avoiding these guys flying, fly, uh, flying at him because he can outskate them and he has great ways of escaping the defensive zone and breaking the puck out. And I think that's where you need to bring him into this series now because I think it's it's screaming for it after game two. Certainly, I thought that after game one. I thought they were having a real difficult time, even though they won, getting the through the floor yeah. to four check. And it was even worse in game two, really pronounced, especially in the third period when things started falling apart. So I, I think you are going to see a guy like that injected into the series. And I think it's the perfect time to use him. And look, let's face it, I understand to a degree why Grizzlick is a scratch too, because if he plays from game one throughout the postseason, he's never going to make it and stay healthy. We've seen that over the years, that at some point he gets nailed in one of these playoff series because he's a smaller guy, he's 5'8", 170 pounds, and he gets taken out. And in years past, the Bruins didn't have enough depth, and once they lost him to injury, they were in deep trouble. And maybe that'll even happen in the future because some of these guys are struggling to move the puck. But I think right now is the perfect time to bring him in, see if he can change the dynamic of the series as far as the forecheck goes, really help that Bruins def 
defenseman core get the puck out of the zone and sort of change the way this series the tenor of the series in the first couple of games you know it, it's it, it he's I never would have thought before the series started that Matt Grizzlick is an important sort of key piece or could be a key figure but I think given the way it's played out in the first couple of games he could be yeah, it's a pick your poison thing, though, yep. uh, where, you know, he can he can obviously skate out with the puck, but you are worried about him getting beat up. And, you know, uh, Florida's got the last change and they can really target pairings depending on how you kind of set it up uh, and make it harder for someone like that. But uh, again, I do think that it's been such a clear I almost think they overthought it even entering the series. And I think it was pretty clear after the first game what they should have done. And they still stuck with forward. But you could tell there wasn't that much confidence there because he played a uh, 14 minute minutes, uh, which was the low among all defensemen. He wasn't even that, uh, uh, that prevalent on the penalty kill, which is another thing that he's, that, you know, that he's known for. So you could tell as the game went on, Montgomery almost knew right there. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't like him out there right now. I'm, I'm not liking, I'm not liking what I'm getting out of this. That seems like an obvious, uh, change up. Uh, the rest is, and again, I know, I know he spoke today. Uh, yesterday, uh, Montgomery alluded to changes, um, you know, that he might have to seriously consider some. And we think Grizzlick is an automatic one, and it's an easy one to slot in there in place of Forbert. No big deal. It's whether there's going to be more global changes. Uh, but it starts with Patrice Bergeron. I'm going to get into that first before we get into other changes. Now, he skated again on uh, Thursday morning by himself. Um, he skated on Wednesday by himself. I know this is the playoffs and timetables change, but as we saw with uh, Taylor Hall and Felino when they were coming back from injury, they skated by themselves for a week or so. Then they wore red contact jerseys for a couple of weeks. Usually about a 10-day from the time, 10-day yes. from the time you start skating on your own to when and you come that's, back. In the, in the normal world. Right. Now, it's the playoffs and the timetable could be accelerated, but the fact that he's only skating on his own right now really starts to make you think you're probably going to be without him for the entire series, or maybe you get him back late, or maybe you rush it in a dire situation if you're facing elimination and say, we got to go. So yeah. I think the hope was to get him fully healthy that they were going to try to get the whole series the way it's looking now. Yep. Uh, so let's just... I, do, do you kind of agree with that assessment? Well, I, I think in the playoffs that it changes a little where a guy can go from skating on his own to, to back in the lineup pretty quickly. It, it can be accelerated, as you said, depending on the circumstances. So would I right. bet on him playing in Game 3? Probably not, just given where he is right now. If they go down 2-1 to one in this series, could he uh, be an option to go down to Florida and play in Game 4? Certainly. I, I think, you know... In the in the perfect world, I think what the Bruins were hoping was they were going to win last night, and then you can kind of hold them out for the entire first round if you've really got a stranglehold over the Panthers, and you think you're right. going to coast in four or five games to a series win, and just give them that extra time to heal and, and get back towards 100%, then great. But I, I think as uh, the series plays out, if things don't change, if they find out they really need him, it is going to get accelerated and he would come back. But if I were a betting man... Uh, if I were betting on FanDuel right now, I would probably not be yeah. betting for Patrice Bergeron to be playing in Game 3. No, not Game 3. And again, I, ju I, I really do think the way it's being set up right now is not is, is that he's still optimally a, a, a little bit away. The bigger, the bigger question, Zanis, for me in this whole thing is, you know, when are we going to really uh, go after the Bruins for allowing this to happen where he played in game 82 in Montreal that was meaningless 
And, uh, you know, I, I understand he wanted to play because his friends and family were there. It's the last game he's probably ever going to play at the Bell Center. Life. You know, it was yeah, very exactly. meaningful for him personally, and I get all that. Right. Um, and I think he, you know, from what I can gather, he really wanted to play, and that was a consideration. And, and you know, who's going to say no to Patrice Bergeron when he feels strongly about something like that? But I, I this I probably is one of those situations where I think the Bruins could have, should have, put their foots down a little more firmly and said, you know what, Patrice, we're going to sit this one out and, and get ready for the postseason, and, you know, you're not going to play. And, you know, I, I can understand both why. I, they had reasoning, you know, they were going to have a few days off. They wanted to make sure that everybody was up to game speed when they went out and played. And there was some logic behind playing more of their regulars than not um, in that last game. But 37-year-old captain that, you know, is banged up after a full season that you want as good as he can be going into the playoffs. That's not going to be affected one way or the other if he sits for five, six, you know, seven days without a game before going into the playoffs. I just, you really hope, as, as somebody that wants to see Patrice Bergeron uh, get a chance to really be at his best in what could be his last playoff for the Boston Bruins, that he gets that chance. And that playing in that game 82 that didn't matter one bit one way or the other doesn't end up impacting that, impacting the Bruins, and impacting this like a dream record NHL season that they had uh, before it even really gets started. That would that would be uh, a really sad end to this entire season and situation if that's the way it plays out. And you just hope that doesn't happen as a hockey fan. Yeah, that would be a real bummer, Joe. It's a it's again the the Bergeron thing. I think you have to look at it as a kind of equal responsibility. I do agree. It makes a lot of sense what he wanted to do. And you're just, you know, probably Montgomery's thinking like, uh, yeah. okay, but like, please. And then, you know, what what bugs me a little bit is uh, some of the subterfuge or the obfuscation here yeah. after the fact. Lifted for precautionary reasons, leaning on the illness, reluctant to say it was an injury. There, That's kind of like... I think they were hoping it would resolve itself before it became an issue and before people would start pointing fingers. Yeah, before they would start and, getting yeah. second guessed. There's, there's no doubt about and it. Again, and again, you know, it's funny when it, it first originally happened and he was lifted after the first period and, you know, it said upper body precautionary. Um, you know, people are like, ah, it's no big deal. He just want to come out and go hang out with his family and friends who were there. And, you know, he just, I'm sure he just wanted to come out of the game. I was thinking to myself, and I really didn't go off on Twitter at the time when people were saying that, but I'm like, I've known this guy for 20 years. I know Patrice Bergeron pretty well. He is not the kind of guy that's going to show up, wave his hand, do a little pageant wave at the Bell Center, play a period, and then leave and leave his uh, teammates out there to play the final 40 minutes without him and fend for themselves. That is not the kind of player he is. That is not the kind of leader he is. As soon as he left that game after the first period, I said, that's not good. Like, that's yep. trouble. Because he would never do that, uh, you know, have it designed, uh, you know, uh, scripted out. I'm going to play one period and then, right. like, bolt after that and, and watch the rest of the game from the ninth floor or the, uh, the catwalk or whatever they have uh, up there at the Bell Center. He... He wouldn't do that, you know, and, and at that point, I, it kind of raised my eyebrows to this might be trouble, but I think you're right. When it got mixed in with players getting sick, it, it gave them cover for a few days. If he missed one game to kind of say, oh, it was uh, sickness and not really get questioned about it. Now, you know, as it goes on, the second guessing uh, factor goes up and gets elevated, and rightfully so. I think it's a... a when it's all said and done, if it impacts this playoff run, it absolutely should be second-guessed in a huge way. 
in in every way and Bergeron you know and 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 trying to press it himself if that were in fact the case and or Montgomery allowing it but you're right I mean even the way uh, Montgomery answered the question finally coming clean uh, prior in the in the pregame of media availability prior to game two yep. wouldn't even say injury just said it's not an illness so they're just <laughs> they're trying so hard to not say. The guy's hurt. And who knows what it is, but upper body could be a lot of different things. And what you're worried about is not only that um, Bergeron's return, you know, is delayed or he might not be able to play soon. It's that when he comes back, we've seen this guy play an entire postseason with a collapsed lung. Right. Okay. Or not all, the entire he postseason. played one Stanley we've Cup seen final guy, game with it, which is more than good seen, enough for me. <laughs> we've seen this guy play hurt. How many yes. times, and especially some of these Bruins players, these forwards who, who play, who are not afraid of physicality, but aren't might not necessarily have the build for yep. it. Uh, you know, how many of these after long playoff runs, you find six, seven guys, eight guys all going under the knife with stuff that probably would have knocked them out for a month or so in the regular season yep. that they just played through. What you're worried about is not only whether he can return in time to help you in a series that now is not, not in the bag, but are you getting a reduced version of him coming back if he's battling something that's going to nag and not ever be right? You've just really handicapped yourself by, you know, taking your best player and 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 forcing him to play at 70, 80, whatever percent. Yeah, and it's that's what happened in 2019 with David Pasternak, right? When he fell down and uh, injured his thumb, and then when yep, he came back, he wasn't Couldn't quite he wasn't quite the same guy in the playoffs. He was hesitant to shoot, missing with the one-timer, you know, clearly the hand and the thumb were bothering him in the postseason, and they end up losing in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. And you say to yourself, you know, hypothetically, could a 100% David Pasternak with no issues have been a difference in, in them winning rather than losing when it got to a Game 7? And there's a lot of other yeah. factors involved. And, you know, you could could blame the 2015 NHL draft for not providing them impact players that could have helped them in that situation as well. There was a lot of things at, at play there for them losing when it seemed like the the way the Red Sea parted for them to win that cup uh, and take care of the Blues. But it, you're right. It's the same kind of situation where you, you wonder when he does come back what kind of shape he's going to be in and if he's going to be able to get back to 100% or if this is something that's going to nag him uh, and be something that's kind of chronic uh, throughout this postseason. You certainly hope not. Uh, but just watching the games, you know, obviously – Guy's a 30-goal scorer, 60 to 70 points, Selkie winner. There's a lot of different places you miss him. But, but like, even just the simple stuff with, like, the face-offs, they're losing – David Krejci's losing a ton of face-offs. In general, they're, they've been under 50% in the face-off dot for the first couple of games where he's a dominant force, uh, and he could lock up with a guy like Sasha Barkov and really win his share of face-offs, and they haven't been able to do that. He plays the bumper spot on the power play, which is a hugely important position. They've had Jake DeBrusque there. They've had other players there. Jake DeBrusque on the power play had a bunch of turnovers last night, did not play well while being thrust into that sort of position. And I think there's a lot of places that are subtle that you might not uh, obviously think they miss Patrice Bergeron here, but it's very clear watching them that they do miss him in those kind of spots. And it all starts to add up for a while because he's such a valuable player. And, you know, that's where the need is for him to come back and help in all these different areas. And, like, does, do the Bruins fall apart as much as they do in the third period last night when things aren't going well if Patrice Bergeron's there as the calming influence on the bench? And, you know, does, right. does he let it get to a point Everything. where everybody's trying to do it on their own and sort of being a little selfish about it in the third period and kind of panicking a little bit instead of sticking with it like they have all the year when he's been there? So, you know, there's a lot of different things at play here, but the bottom line is 
hugely valuable guy that they need to be close to 100% if they're going to win the cup. And you just have to sort of cross your fingers if you're a Bruins fan and hope he gets there at this point with so much vagueness and, uh, you know, gray area as to what's going on right now. Yeah, and, and, and it is a thing that will be talked about if by if worst-case scenario happens uh, and he doesn't return and they don't make it out. Uh, a, a historically bad uh, decision. Uh, it's not there yet. Uh, it is interesting just in terms of the way yes. – and everyone will be like, shut up. You guys are being alarmists. It's not that. It's just how you process things. There is a faction of sports fans out there that just want to – hold their blankie and say, everything's going to be all right. You know, like, and of course everyone wants everything to be all right, but this is a concern until we see it's no longer a concern. So right now, not having Bergeron, not having him, not having him being able to skate with his teammates, appearing like he is days, if not longer away from returning in a series that now looks like you desperately need him. And you're going to need everything you have to be able to get through because you have been outplayed for the better part of two games. Uh, It's, not great, not great right now. It's not over. It's not dire. The, the sky's not falling, but it could be soon. So just mentally prepare yourself. We're just okay? the like, skins for Bruins breakup day right now, Zanis. That's, that's, that's perfectly fine. Just every, we just, it, the, the Bruins have plenty of talent, plenty of depth to be able to get through this team uh, without Bergeron. But right now, it's a problem. Well, I think uh, I think last already, night was the first game that they've lost without Bergeron all season. They were undefeated, I believe, yeah, in that no. game. Yep. So you know that. Yep. That will, will, you give him a mulligan on game two, but at, at your totally. point, like I think the Panthers have been better than the Bruins in the balance of the series so far, and that clearly yep. needs Joe, let's get back to it. Well, I'll ask you right now. You're a betting man. You're still taking the Bruins in this series, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. I, I, okay. I do think there's going to be some adjustments. I do think Grizzlick's probably going to be in there for game three. I do think Patrice Bergeron, if the series wears on, is going to return at some point uh, and be a factor when he does come back. So – and – Look, we have not seen even close to what the Bruins are and what they've been all year in the first couple of games. And I think you have to um, have a a little faith in them that they are going to get back to what their, you know, norm and their standard was the entire year uh, prior to this point. Like, I think they just, you know, and, and this was the worry, and I mentioned this at the top, and this is the worry going into this, is that, they were so far ahead of everybody else, uh, setting records, doing all kinds of other things, uh, that they didn't have to to face the you know furious competition and have their lives on the line uh, hockey wise like well, the Panthers did for the last couple of months of the season, and right. I think that's shown in the level of intensity, speed, and physicality that the two teams are playing with in the first couple of games. And I think the Bruins now with having lost that game at home having Ryan Lomberg trying to choke out Trent Frederick on the ice in the middle of a pile at the end of the third period, having uh, Matthew Kachuk, uh, you know, chirping uh, Thomas Noshik, all kinds of stuff about his his family uh, from what I saw in the video, like having all these nasty things happening uh, that the Panthers are doing to the, the Boston Bruins now that like screams playoff hockey, like they're in it to win it and they're playing for keeps. I think now is the time when the Bruins wake up and and finally figure that out after this wake-up call yeah. of a game, too. So I do think things are going to turn when it goes down to Florida, and we're going to see a different Boston Bruins team. Just like, you know, they need to react but to some of the stuff that was happening at the end of that game, too, when they were clearly angry yeah. after the game was over. You, you saw Trent Frederick visibly angry. Clearly, Charlie McAvoy was pissed off in that locker room as well. There were a bunch of Bruins players that were mad about the way things went down at the end of that game, and now they need to respond to that going forward. 
Yeah, and I, I, I tweeted it. I saw it. I did not use the language in my tweet that Frederick used, but it was along the lines of, I, I'm going to uh, it, look for me next yeah. game. It's oh, yeah. it, like um, the, the, the the train is coming. Wamberg's uh, about was, five foot nine, 175 pounds, so I think Frederick's going to make a point to find him. I mean, that, he's, he's turning, Lomberg is turning into a, a uh, enemy, yes. certainly uh, a Boston sports, Boston Bruins fan enemy, public enemy number one kind of guy. I thought it was going to be Matthew Kachuk, who was doing his thing as well. Uh, but Lomberg had a couple of penalties last night, really sneaky, dirty, the stuff that he does on the ice. And, you know, going for the chokehold on, on Frederick at the end there, I think that cinches it that he's going to become a villain in this series, which is awesome. He's, I mean, that's what we want. It's not awesome that uh, Frederick was getting choked out, but as as somebody that follows hockey, you want the heroes and villains. You want the people crossing enemies, the line. Villains. You want the passion, the hate on the ice. All that stuff seems like it's starting to happen in this series. And as a hockey fan, that's really all you can ask for. What made what made the Vancouver series so great? Guys like Aaron yes. Burroughs, the villains on the other side. Fighting Patrice Bergeron. Nobody will ever forgive him for loved, that. You loved all of it. The 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 the, the hatred matters and you gotta build it up in the playoffs. But we did allude to changes. Let's talk about you need a change in attitude. You need a you need a, all of a sudden to snap into playoff mode, which again they admitted in game one they were oddly don't expect that from a group that's kind of cap, you know, has this has a veteran presence and 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 the grown-ups in the room. Obviously, Bergeron not being there hurts. Yep. But having Marshawn flat out say like we played a little nervous, didn't expect that necessarily. But you do have to take it into consideration. There's not a lot of big playoff, uh, big time playoff experience among some of the uh, key members of this team. You take it for granted because you're used to seeing it with Krejci and Marshawn and and Bergeron. That's one attitude is one, but the other is we said Jim Montgomery promised that he would at least consider some changes. Grizzly being yep. one, before we get to the lineup, is there a, a thought in which you rotate out your Vezina favorite goaltender uh, in favor of Jeremy Swayman, which is a rotation they employed to keep them fresh throughout the yep. year. But there's no question that the last third of the season, maybe even longer, Swayman was every bit the equal Allmark is. I don't want this to turn into like Tuca sucks, get the other guy yep. in, which is a natural reaction every time something happens. But it was odd to see Allmark give again and, and again, whether or not you buy all of the metrics, everybody uh, looks at them differently. Minus 1.63 goals saved above expected last night. Not something you see. Five goals, not something you see. Getting beat from the perimeter, albeit through some screens, not something that you necessarily see. Uh, I saw him getting up a little slow after one goal. Now, we've talked about like what they did in regards to Bergeron and, and, and the subterfuge around that injury. Yep. The Allmark thing also smelled a teeny bit funny, that he was dealing with something and he managed something and it's nothing or is it something i have no idea if he's limited or not but based on what you saw last game whether it's something physical or just simply the rotation worked why not stay with it we have two number ones let's treat it as such yeah. is it something you do would you actually remove a vezina winning goaltender which all mark will ultimately be in favor of swayman to mix things up in game well two. i i think it, it could get to that point if they feel would you will they right is what I'm saying. I, yeah you know? i'm gonna answer the question it could get to that point i think later in the series um you know if they feel like uh they need to change the sort of tenor of the series it may get to that point later on if their backs are against the wall and they say you know we're gonna try to uh, just change the tenor change the momentum you know, whatever. I think they have full confidence in Swayman and he may get the call in that kind of a situation. Or 
if Olmark does give up a bunch of soft goals, you know, shows that he he needs to come out and, and Swayman needs to come in. I don't think game two was anything close to that. I don't I think it was much more about uh his defenseman hanging him out to dry and the players in front of him hanging him out to dry with horrible turnovers and like weird coverages where the defensemen were nowhere to be found in front of the net like five, six times there were Panthers guys in front of the Boston net all by themselves. The defensemen were nowhere to be found. There was just weird coverage stuff that you didn't see all year long. The, st- the stall goal, they just entered the zone clean and he just walked there was right nobody in. in the nobody picture. When you watch the video there. of him scoring, nobody. there was like nobody around. No. no one. And it wasn't a turnover. They just entered the zone and nobody yes. picked him up. He just walked yeah. in there on a very and a very simple pass. He's just like, okay, and, 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 you know, dead. And Omar stopped a bunch of those chances. You know, he made a bunch of fantastic yeah. saves given the situation right. and given what was going on. And, you know, yes, he, he gave up a couple of long range bombs to Brandon Montour, one of which was definitely screened. I don't think he saw it at all. The second one, you know, it, it beat him. But I I don't look at that performance and say like he's going to get lifted. He should get lifted. He will get lifted. I don't. I think under no circumstances would he. And I think Jim Montgomery already said he's going to start Game Three, and I, I would have made that call as well. He yeah. Did, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, Jeremy Swayman, I, I would not put him in at this point. I don't think anything that I've seen says you need to make a goalie change. I do think though that's a card they could play later on in the series if they need to flip the momentum or if they really, you know decide that something like that is called for. I don't think they're going to hesitate at all to put Swayman in if they feel like it's called for in any way. Um, and, and to your point about Ulmark, I do think that he got up awkwardly uh, minutes before he left that game against Washington. I do think there's a little something going on there. But, you know, I, it didn't look to me last night like he was hurt in any way or hindered physically in any way. I just think that was he was more hurt by what, what he saw from Dmitry Orlov and Charlie yeah. McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm and, you know, uh, Brandon Carlo and Derek Forbort and uh, the rest of the D-Men Corps. Yeah. You guys made me sad. <laughs> uh, no, it, it, that makes sense. Um, and, and it is a tough thing to do. It's just interesting because, you know, it's it's such an ego thing, particularly in the playoffs when you have a clear-cut number yeah. one. And, <laughs> you know. Well, they're definitely, in a, it, it is look, just they're definitely in a different situation than they've been in years past. We're so used to the default of Tim Thomas is the number one. They're not going with anybody else. Tuka Rask is the number one. They're not going with anybody else. It's not like that anymore. This is more of an Andy Moog, no. Reggie Lemelin situation where you could see them totally. going back to these guys back and forth toggling during the playoffs depending on the circumstances and, and what is happening. I definitely think. You know, Bruins fans and media, everybody needs to sort of like recalibrate their thinking about the goaltending now because it's not uh, you just like are going with this guy balls to the wall and that's it. He's going to play the entire time. I think there's going to be back and forth if they have a long playoff run where both guys play. I was a Reggie guy. Yes. Yes. I was. Dougie Keens. Dougie Keens is another one who would come in there and spell you. Um, but, yes, absolutely. Um, th- that is more their situation here. But, as you said, all marks back in three. What about the lineup? Like, again, assuming in, in, in a no Patrice Bergeron universe, yep. uh, what, are you, what are you doing here to mix things up? I mean, you did see – you know, Taylor Hall ended up scoring the goal. He was not particularly effective. That second line, which had been great with Bertuzzi playing alongside Krejci has Costa, not been good really, in the first two games at all. Really poor. Krejci has been ba- really, really, really not holding yeah. up his own. Uh, what do you do here uh, to, to mix things up 
what can you do? What might they do? And again, it's the difference with what would you, what would you and what right. will they? I know you could always look to bring somebody else in, but without Bergeron, you don't have much in there. You're not going to sit somebody. I don't know what your benefit from a Greer or a Lauco or something like that. I don't know where you're well, going to go here. I, I, the, the argument for Greer would be that given the physical tenor of the series and the nastiness, he's going to bring a little bit more of that element and you could bring him in if you really want to make a statement physically in game three. We don't see that as much uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs now as we did in years past, but it's always, that's certainly a possibility. Um, But you have Frederick, you have Foligno, you have Hathaway, you have guys that can. But Frederick's supposed to be a tough guy and he was getting choked out at the bottom of a pile and at the end of the third period, granted, like that's a dirty play that's underhanded, but like I don't think you ever also want to see your tough guys and put in that kind of a spot either, you know. Like and yep. uh, I, so I, I, you know, I think that's a consideration. Do I think Frederick's coming out or Greer is coming in? Probably not. Lauko, I think, is a guy that would add speed for sure against a Panthers team that's attacked them with a lot of speed, and I think that is yep. also an option and something you could look at. Um, you know, because like Felino's been okay, but like he's also he missed a long period of time before he came in. He's just back. You know? yeah. so, he's back and he had the stomach bug. So he right. battled the injury in his first game back. He's also like, you know, puking his guts out hours prior to the game where he's just so not I, feeling I, you know, right. I don't so think, he he just mentioned he's starting to feel a little better physically, but he's right. also rusty. Well, I don't think it's yeah. a foregone conclusion that he stays in the lineup. I think certainly he yeah. could come out for, for one of those guys. Um, but until Bergeron comes back, I think you're very limited as to what kind of changes you can make. The one thing I look at and I would do if I were them, and it's not a line change, it's a it's a special teams change, is I would think about putting Charlie Ma- uh, Charlie Coyle as the bumper guy on the first power play instead of Jake DeBrusque and these other players that they're using. I think he's got. I think he's been good in these first two games. He was, I thought, a beast in game one. Strong, fast, yep. like looked like 2019 Charlie Coyle. Uh, in the playoffs when he was a, a load to handle for other teams. Um, you know, and I, I think just he's a veteran guy that he, like, handles the playoffs well. I think he would be a good guy to put in that spot in the bumper on the on the top power play unit maybe instead of DeBrusque and some of these other guys that they're rolling out there. But uh, until Bergeron uh, – and, and I, I mean, I suppose if you really want to throw everything out the window, you could – talk about or think about putting Krejci with DeBrusque and Marchand uh, in Bergeron's spot. Um, you know, when in, in past years when he got put in, uh, and even when he was, you know, a couple of years ago when Bergeron was hurt and he got put in between Pasternak and Marchand, he was phenomenal. Uh, so that's where I yeah. was leaning. That's like, where I, I think leaning. all of that stuff should be considerations and should be things that they, they think about doing, especially if they're desperate. Uh, to get a spark and, and to get things going. And, and maybe that's something that uh, Montgomery will have in his back pocket uh, as game three is going on if he needs it. But I, my sense would be, and what I think they should do, is essentially roll with the forwards that they have. Maybe you take out Felino, you put Greer in, something like that. Nothing major, nothing seismic to change if Bergeron is out. And then if right. things continue to not go well in game three, then maybe you start to shake things up a little bit and change it up. But I, I, I think there's a real danger if you're the Boston Bruins right now of being too reactive to one game and, and too reactive to what happened in game two and really switch things up. I mean, I, the forwards were not the bigger issue in my mind. The only thing that the, the only problem that they had, the only issue I saw with the forwards that's that needs to change. And this is part of playoff intensity, playoff level hockey is, 
not getting close enough to the net with their bodies, not getting close no. enough to the net with pucks, not getting traffic in front of Alex Lyon, who uh, has shown that he's going to be able to be beaten if you can get good chances on him. Like that part of the playoff intensity, that's another part that they haven't ratcheted up to the highest level that they need to go yet, where clearly the Panthers have. They have all kinds of chaos and traffic in front of uh, Linus Allmark at all times. And I think that's one thing that they need to improve on and they need to get way better at. And that's an argument, I guess, for Felino staying in because he's that kind of a net front guy. Uh, but but that's yeah. the only gripe I have with them. I think the much bigger issue in this series to date has been the defenseman, and that's the biggest area that they need to make changes yep. and that they need to make adjustments, and that's why you argue for Grizzly coming in. And I think he could – it's it's such a logical thing to watch what the problem is, see that he hasn't played, and realize that he could have an impact. And I, I, that's why I think yep. he ends up going in. But the rest of it, I think you stay the course with the forwards and you have faith with the guys that got you there until Bergeron can come back. It was logical in game after game one too, so I am I am slightly surprised they didn't go there um, because that was a problem and they yep. got away with it um, and then they got burnt. Um, so yeah, I would agree. I, I actually I was thinking exactly that the crazy thing um, with Marshawn pa- uh, Pasternak and going with uh, if they Bertuzzi get desperate, Hall they might hit the and, uh, they might hit the big red button and, and put together the perfection line uh, with Crazy and Alzaka on line two. Yeah, and I was thinking that that's a possibility, but we'll see. Uh, ultimately, you just want to kind of see all of those guys show up and do some of those things and just kind of like have that bell go off almost. Like, we're in the playoffs. Like, let's start playing yeah. like it. Uh, and I think that's something that they got to do. So here we are, 1-1, heading into Game 3. Joe Haggerty will be traveling down to Florida uh, to cover the game. You can catch all of his written stuff, obviously, over at Boston Hockey Now. Uh, make sure you stay here with CLNS Media as well uh, for video post game wrap-ups and post-game coverage from Joe uh, as well as a live post-game show immediately after the game. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Bruins Rinkside. Uh, Turn on those notifications you get notified every time a new video comes across or when we go live. And of course again, uh, last shout-out to our sponsor, FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Uh, Cash in on your $200 in bonus bets when you deposit 10 and bet 5. Again, FanDuel.com slash Boston, make sure to take advantage of this offer. This has been Pucks with Hags. It's back. <laughs> back, baby. Love it. Pucks with Hags is back. You can get it where all wherever all podcasts are available, Apple, Spotify. Um, so make sure you subscribe, tell your friends about it. And honestly, please rate and review, rate and review, rate and review is super important to us. Um, so if you did like this podcast, uh, please make sure you give us a rating and review it. Joe will be back with more podcasts as the series and hopefully the playoffs progress deep into uh, you know the month of May and possibly June as well. So make sure you, uh, you check it out. The, the best hockey coverage is yet to come. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode. Joe Haggerty, John Zanis, we'll see you guys later.